Welcome to the 289th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on June 19th, 2022. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm 50% of this here show. With me is the man who's kicking it on a Sunday, Carlos Rodella. What's up? It's a lazy Sunday. Lazy Sunday. Lazy-ish Sunday. Well, not too lazy. I had a bunch of stuff to do before the show, so I've actually been pretty busy. Oh. But, I've been, but now I can be lazy. You can be lazy. Well, I don't know if that's Well, after the, sh- after the show. After, after the, the show, show, yeah. Lazy podcast. Ooh, that's a good podcast name. Uh, we can do better than that. We can we'll do, do better, better than that. We'll and better. I don't think it will be lazy. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. But uh, I am being lazy, unlike you, uh, who's being productive, and I'm just playing RPGs all morning. So... Yeah, man, you're like getting back into the RPG zone, dude. Well, I've had so much like want and desire for a new RPG. It's just not been happening. Uh, you know, it's, I've not found the one that that works. And Avowed is going to be never out ever, which is the one I'm like waiting on. Um, so I was like, let me go back to the old school and play some old ones. And also, there's a reason for me going back to play all those old ones. And we'll get into that in the housekeeping. All right, we will get to that. Well, you know, it's uh, good that you mentioned housekeeping because as I'm looking at our agenda today, we actually have a crazy amount of stuff to get through. So let's just skip all the usual bullshit. We'll get right to it. Folks, regular listeners know, and for you new listeners, uh, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. It's silver duct tape because I like the silver. Uh, Folks, it's housekeeping uh, on my side. Actually, uh, unusually kind of messy on my side i've got like four or five things which is strange for me because i usually keep a pretty tidy house carlos what do you got on your side today well that's weird this pl- this house is dirty filthy um, yeah because mine is all i got so much stuff and it's all out of order <laughs> that underwear in the corner looks like it's old dude that needs to be washed. well we're definitely throwing that out but besides that um there's a bunch of stuff that we do should go through but yeah it, all of mine's out of order in so it's to a break, giant jumble, jumbled to, housekeeping today. To break the fourth wall or whatever, to, to be real about it. I have a notepad file with housekeeping, and it's just a mess. So It's just a mess. All right. It's even like in the wrong font and stuff. It's it is. It's Yeah, some's copy-pasted. It's like, you know, highlighted. Um, so anyways, let's get through some of it. You want to start this it. time? Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Why not? I'll start. Start. Um, let's see. I'll start off with just a kind of a heads-up uh, news item. I don't usually bring a lot of like news to the show. Uh, but a good friend of mine, his name is Richard Peacock. He is a wonderful man. I love him very much. I met him uh, several years ago working on a project here in Seattle. He's not a games person um, in general. He's a performing artist and a wonderful one. But he is getting into games. He just recently started a kind of a co-op, sort of a group collective sort of thing. It's for like uh, people of color, queer people, and uh, Asian Pacific Islanders. And they're getting like this thing off the ground. So it's kind of like a multimedia affair. But they're also trying to pivot some of this stuff into like gaming. So they have an exhibit coming up at a local museum at uh, Cornish, Cornish, something Cornish college of the arts. They have a little museum section, I believe. And they're doing like this installation of like multimedia art that they want to eventually become a video game. I've talked to Richard about his project. He's like super passionate about it. We had like long discussions. He's a great guy. I love everything he's doing. It's called the Eusephinum project. And I'll spell it for you. It's Y. U-S-E-P-H-I-N-U-M, the Eusephinum Project. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram. Um, I believe that they are also, I think there's a website coming up pretty soon if it's not already, but it's like this actual thing. If you're in Seattle, the Pacific Northwest, they want you to come down and take a look at it. 
and just kind of like soak in the vibe. So kudos to Richard for uh, doing something different, getting it off the ground, but trying to be as supportive as possible, getting the word out for him. So the Eusephonim Project, go check that out. Cool. Yeah, I definitely will. And uh, we're local, so of course we will. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I got like four more things you want to do back and forth. You want me to keep? Yeah, doing? let's do back and forth. Um, Go for it. I for the show, and also because I was curious, I finally did. Like I alluded to earlier, playing RPGs, I went uh, ahead and got the new fancy PlayStation service. Oh, you um, did? Did you? Did you already have it before and it converted, or did you upgrade? I had it before, and they give you the option to pay to try it out for the rest of the month for whatever that you know prorated cost is. So, so, okay, so question before we even start, because I yep. got to know this. So there's three tiers. I actually just looked this up a couple days ago. There's three tiers. There's like the bottom. I forget what's included. There's like the middle where you get the library of games, and then you get the the, t- the top tier, which is like all of the lower tiers, but then you also get like the retro games. As far as I know, the retro games only comes in the third tier. So which which tier are you at, or did I get that wrong, or does that sound about right? That sounds, sounds about right. I don't. It's a little confusing, so even me who... Uh has it i don't know but uh basically there's essential i think is the very version the first version and that's just what i had anyhow so now it's just called essential which is 10 bucks a month then extra is the next one and then premiums the, the top one and the premiums fucking nuts it's 18 dollars um, which is which is you know it's not a million dollars but also it's like it's 18 a bucks. little high yeah it's a little high and then extra is 15 dollars. so anyways i just for the for sake of the show and also just because it's only one more month I just tried to upgrade it to the, the top one to see all the different features, bells and whistles. Okay, so, so you've got third tier. That's including your basic stuff, your streaming or whatever it is. I don't care about that. You've got the library of games. This is kind of like a Game Pass sort of thing. And then you've also got the backwards compatible or the the, the vintage stuff. Yeah. and The, the whole thing. That's okay. what I was really interested in. Obviously, it's like see what the old catalog stuff was, some stuff that maybe I couldn't uh, have played otherwise because, you know, it wasn't available. So that seemed cool. And then also the idea of demos being in a paid package is dumb. Oh, uh, is, that, is that one of the tiers? Is like you that's get a one demo of the up tiers. Here to pay? Oh, yeah. that's stupid. That's stupid. But it's there. And, I, you know, again, I've just paid extra $6 this month just to try it, right? Because I had already paid for the, the essential. So anyways, that's what I did. Uh, and some of them also, are, the streaming part is the fact that some of those games are like PS3 games that weren't avail- available either. And so now you can play them via streaming, which kind of was part of PlayStation Now. So it's really a lot of it's repackaging, but they did add a ton of new games. So there's actually a ton of new games. And if you go to the PlayStation Store now and don't have the service, which I think you probably talked about to me on t- on Twitter, you can see a bunch of old games that are for yeah. sale. You can buy them. Oh, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because Intelligent Cube, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. my God. It's Cube with a Q. I love that game so much back in the day. That was a, was a PS1 game. I, think I feel so. like it was a PS1 game where it's like this really crazy puzzle game, but it's also like this kind of social commentary. It's really dark and depressing and oppressive. It's, I love it. I love it so much. You can get it for 10 bucks. That's one of the things I will buy that. I'm not going to subscribe to this thing, but I'll buy it for 10 bucks. I recommend Intelligent Cube for sure. Well, that's what I'm saying. And that's how I got started on some of the RPGs. One of them, which I'll talk about on the show later is, um, Oh, what what was the the, the game I played? I just told you about it. And then I said, I don't want to talk about on the show. Uh, one of the RPGs. Yeah. The, um, one that I took off the, uh, off the list. When you took off the list, uh, we, Wild Arms. Wild Arms, yeah. I saw that in the store, you know, before I even, like, upgraded my PlayStation service. And, yeah, that's the one you can just buy. So, but anyways, I bought the service, got the Wild Arms for free, tried that for a while. Remember that I played it, and I think I beat it, so I didn't have to go down that road anymore. But cool. it was fun, you know, go back to old school games. So, overall, I tried some game trials. Um, 
a lot of stuff that was like I was going to already maybe buy, but it was easy to just try it. I don't think that should be behind a paywall, but it was nice. I played a bunch of old PS3 games, you know, because there's a lot of streaming ones. You don't have to download them. Um, but in general, I wasn't like wowed at all by the like selection. Like it was just I got bored like pretty quickly because A, we always talk about this all the time. You and I have played every game. We have literally, literally every, every game. game. And so a ton of those games in the collection was like, yeah, I know all these games. I played You've them. You already played them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, an obscure RPG, an obscure anime-type action game. Oh, I haven't, I haven't never played that. You know, I wanted to. So it, here and there, it came in handy. The game trial, it gets an F or like D. I mean, I don't know. That doesn't seem like that big of a deal, and it should just be for free anyhow. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and then the old school stuff, uh, I, I really did quite like. Like some of the PS2 games that I'd never been able to play for a while. Um, but a ton of them I already played. So yeah, it's kind of a mixed review. I don't think it's worth $18 for sure. Um, I think that extra tier might be worth 10 Right now it's $15. Um, I don't know. So it's I mean, a mixed review, yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people who already have PSN or whatever are going to auto-convert. I mean, I believe I, auto, I auto-converted because I already had PSN before. You know, got a lot of games from that they've given out for free over the years and whatever, whatever. So I have that. But I didn't check into it. And like, I mean, I'm already drowning in games right now, right? Like we get new games every week and I have a backlog that I'll never that I'll never get through um, like ever. So I don't need a bunch of other games. Um, so it's not that appealing from that perspective. But I do support the idea that a lot of these games, which may not have been available in any other way, are now available. Like, for example, Intelligent Cube, which I think is a fucking amazing game. I'm so glad that it's available somewhere because I have a disc of it. I mean, I hope it still works. I mean, uh, CDs rotting is certainly a thing that I never realized until a few years ago. So hopefully the disc works. But even if it doesn't work, does my PS1 still work? I don't know. Can I even attach it to my TV? I don't know. Yeah. So I'm glad that that game is available. And I, I like the idea that those things are now available. But honestly, like real talk, I think they were goofy. Sony was real goofy for going with three tiers because right off the bat, that's that's too confusing. Like they need like ideally one tier would be perfect. And in fact, I think that's what isn't that what the Microsoft is in? They've like kind of rolled it up into like the ultimate, but either, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. either two or th- either one or two, preferably one, but three is too many because even you and me who live and breathe and eat and sleep games, even we're not a hundred percent sure of like what's in the three tiers. And like, if anybody should know it's us, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at that. Like I'm actually looking at what's in each one of them and it's still a little confusing. <laughs> I saw that chart. They did like a spreadsheet and it was really confusing. Yeah. And then I, by the way, I have the ultimate package or whatever it is. And it was confusing to like go through it and navigate it actually. Cause you know, you had to like pick games and then I don't know. I just felt like I was seeing some of the same games show up in two different menus. Right. Oh, I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens. And so, so I will say this though, the positive side, like you said, is definitely getting some old school games that either I haven't played uh, and I can just try them all. Right. That's fun. Um, And even if you think about it, game pass doesn't have a ton of retro stuff on it. Does it? There's, I mean, there's older stuff. There's a mix, but not. it's not like a heavily retro service, no. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, this is, like, I think it kind of is unique in that way where, like, yeah, I might be playing a really old school PS1 game that I never thought I would play again, um, and it's, you know, free or whatever. Well, for the service. The yeah. other thing I will say I like, and why I brought up Wild Arms originally, is because Wild Arms, and I'm not sure how many other games did this, but when they made them for the PS5, by the way, I tried to download that for, like, old school PS2 version or something. It was like, no, no, we've upgraded it for the PlayStation 5. And I was like, okay. And so when I played it, it had a save state. 
Oh, that's nice. I like when they do that. Especially for RPGs, you know, that you've never been able to beat because like, the save point was far away or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I love that. That's like my favorite thing of the whole service almost is like being able to play an old school game I haven't played and have a save state. That's super cool. Yeah, that's um, great. I mean, I, I hope that becomes standard for like everything. That's just like a quality of life thing. It is. It is. But overall, yeah, mixed reviews. Uh, I did it because it was $6 to upgrade for the rest of the month. I'll try it for the rest of the month and next episode give you another update. But right now, I just playing here and there. I'll probably find some you know old school games I'd never played before. Kind of fun. Game trials, not worth it. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, speaking of download services, I want to just give a quick just shout to Game Pass, which is the best place to play games. Best place to play uh, games. <laughs> Callback. Um, you know, I don't really um, pre-order stuff very often, especially like digital stuff, because it's like there's no physical thing to get. So why am I concerned about getting it sooner? But I was I was just kind of tooling through um, Game Pass. Uh, I downloaded the. Uh, new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, which we'll talk about in a minute. And while I was there, I was kind of just noodling around and I saw um, some games that were coming up soon. And I'm like, oh, they're like, oh, you can preload these right now. And I'm like, oh, well, since I'm here and we're not really doing anything anyway, why don't we do that? So I haven't done that feature very much, but I do really appreciate that they let you preload the game pass. I downloaded or pre-downloaded As Night Falls, which is the story narrative game that we talked about like last episode, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and also, which really surprised me, um, I mean, maybe I'm just out of the loop, but they've got the uh, the Shadowrun, brand new Shadowrun. They're not remakes. I mean, the new revival of Shadowrun. It's like the original Shadowrun. Okay, I mean, I, this is confusing because there's like an old and a new one. But the most recent version of Shadowrun, which was kickstarted, and it was PC exclusive for a long time. It's like the base game of Shadowrun. There's like a Hong Kong expansion. And then there's like one other expansion, which I forget what it is. But those got like really good reviews. And they're PC only, but now they're on um, Xbox. And they're coming out in like two days. And I was like, whoa, like I really wanted to play all three of these games. They're going to be on Game Pass and I can download them right now. Fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. So like I downloaded all that stuff and I'm ready to rock as soon as those things uh, unlock, man. Yeah, I know. I think I did that too when I had Game Pass. No. I've switched over to the other side, which just nah. makes me feel un confused and, and Shots unsure. Shots fired. But <laughs> it's, it's, I'm trying to think of a metaphor. Like I went to the other side of town, you know, and it's like confusing and there's all the street directions are like weird and different languages yeah the grass um, is not necessarily greener on that side it isn't it. greener but there's a couple things i like so anyways uh when i had game pass yeah i did that a lot i just kind of like had stuff already ready to download so that's cool yeah but just heads up on the shatter run i've heard those are the shit so i'm very excited to check those out i mean I've, I've loved Shadowrun since back in the day, and, you know, there haven't really been a ton of Shadowrun games, and, you know, kind of like with the cyberpunk stuff, I mean, I feel like that's kind of making a comeback as a theme, so I'm, I'm down for more of that. I'm ready, ready yeah, to play that. I played the, that uh, regular role-playing game, pen and paper, a long time ago. Oh, Tabletop. Oh, yeah, yeah back yeah. in the day, dude, for sure. Yeah, right on. All right, uh, what, do you got? what do you got? What's next? Uh, the biggest one is, oh, there's a two-pronger, two, two two-hitter. Nope, none of those work. Doubleheader? Doubleheader is what I meant. So first off, we had a Final Fantasy showcase, which was after the game's Summer Game Fest, which I'm sure you don't know of. Uh, you know, I didn't even know it was happening until I saw people flooding my timeline, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, and I moved on. It's mainly a whatever, but I'll tell you a couple uh, takeaways for me. One, uh, Rebirth, which is the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two. We were just talking about that last episode. I think we were, yeah. I and was then, asking you, what the hell is up with that? And you're like, I don't know. And then here we are a week later. Here it is. Know. It's called Rebirth, and it's coming out, oh, so soon. Uh, joking. Winter 2023. Nice. Okay, so right around the corner. Right around the corner. 
Uh, and then also they showed Crisis Core, which I think everybody knew was going to happen. Ugh, fuck Crisis which, Core. Which yeah, I think you say fuck Crisis Core every time I mention it. Just a um, quick, quick side note since we're talking about it. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that like Crisis Core. I'm not one of them. And that is one of the games. I, I shit you not, dude. I wrote I wrote the review for Crisis Core when it came out, like, what, 20 years ago or whatever it is? Like, at least once a month, I get a nasty fucking email from somebody who thinks I'm the worst person in the world because I did not like Crisis Core. Nice. The hate mail has not stopped for two fucking decades. Well, I'll tell you this, and this will make it stop because there's a potential for you to review this. Just hold on. Because if you, well, I don't think you played the Final Fantasy VII remake, did you? Did not, not yet. Okay. I think I bought it, but I don't have it. I love it. And what it does, it's a reimagining, right? right? Like right. there are main plot lines are the same, but there's so much new stuff, including literally the ending of its first part, right? Which is right. a totally different like multiverse thing now. And that's not a spoiler; you should know that by now. Because oh yeah, also, that's been all over the place. Yeah, right? and also it's like a, a reason to play it, you know, because it's not right. just the same game. Secondly, that's what they're doing with Crisis Core a bit. So you can, it's going to be a different type of game. Like it's going to have those obviously the main character and stuff like that, but. I think it's going to be a different type of game that you I might mean, it, not it hate. Can't be, it can't be worse. It right, can't it be can't. Worse because, yeah, I don't think it will. I mean, I had the most miserable time with Crisis Core back in the day. And it's been miserable for the last 20 years because people keep reminding me that they don't think I should think it's miserable. But it fucking is miserable. The new one, who knows? I'm sure it's going to be a better experience. It probably will be. Uh, and then they mentioned a bunch of other things like Final Fantasy on mobile, and then I didn't care. But the other thing I uh, really cared about, and I am can't even contain my excitement, but I'm going to try to contain it because I know it's not going to come for a while, is I watched the Dragon's Dogma showcase. Oh, man. somebody! I had so many people tagging me into that after it happened. I didn't realize that was happening. Uh, and then I got like all these DMs going like, oh, my God, did you see this? And I'm like, wow. I not, was following did not expect. It. Oh, yeah. my gosh. I like, you know, on YouTube, they have like, uh, you know, you can watch later or something like that. Anyways, I had had that on my uh, remembering to watch it. Watch every part of it. It's so good. Basically, you should watch it, by the way. It's on YouTube. Um, they talk about the creation of Dragon's Dogma, which is really fun with the creators. And this is just something that I thought is really interesting. They mentioned how they liked uh, Street Fighter. And back in the day, they liked the idea that anything kind of happen in these fights, in this action fight, where, and again, remember, this is coming from the past, where this is like a new novel thing to have Street Fighter. But, you know, you have the buttons, you have the inputs, but then you might jump behind him. You might, the, the endless possibilities of fighting games, right? Right. So he's like, that hasn't happened in an RPG. And he was right, because like so many are turn-based, so many action ones are kind of like basic. And so that's why Dragon's Dogma is really special and everybody should go back and play it, because you can jump on the enemies and then you can hit them while you're in the air or you can fall off and hit them while you're falling off. There's just so much tactile, feedback, fun, action-y game in those RPGs. Oh, yeah. Like, Dragon's Dogma is a really special beast. I mean, yeah, it's it's clunky. It's got some problems. It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But what it was going for was pretty fucking amazing. I mean, they made some really cool decisions. They went out in directions that other people... I mean, like you said, like, still aren't really even doing these days. They aren't. It was so tactful. Like, it did kind of... It kind of felt like open world, but it also kind of felt like Monster Hunter because there was, like, tons of big monsters, but it also kind of felt like a fighting game because you were, like, doing positioning and action. And also it was like Shadow of the Colossus because you could climb on monsters and grab them and ride them and all this. Like you could do all sorts of crazy stuff. And that was already in, in addition to the pawn system, which is yep. like an AI helper system, which was pretty revolutionary. And I honestly don't think anybody has attempted it since then. That game had like 
so many big swings that it was attempting. And like overall, I love that game. It's not perfect, but man, I'm very excited to see what they are going to do if they keep that same energy and then add on. I don't know what when's it when it came out ten years, fifteen years ago, or whatever it yeah. was. Like, like if they look at what the industry's been doing since then, take all the the quality of life, all the improvements, and then bolt it on to what they did before. It's got to be killer. And I just want like yeah, say it's Unreal Five, right? Say it's Unreal Five, and then it's all that Dragon's Dogma. I'd take it in two seconds. I'd take an Unreal Five upgraded Dragon's Dogma. You know what I mean? Oh um, yeah, for sure. And that pawn system they talked about in that video. Everybody should go watch that on YouTube. Just look up Dragon's Dogma showcase or something anyways at the end of that showcase they uh unzipped their hoodies and they showed a t-shirt and the t-shirt was dragon's dogma 2 they announced it and that's all they said about it but yeah very excited very 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 fucking excited i'm in doesn't matter i'm, I'm in dude because i am a huge fan of the first one i've always thought they should have kept it going um and even today it's worth playing i think so oh yeah i'm in i'm in i mean because it's gonna be so long for it to come out i might go back and play the original i mean i know i beat it but did we both beat the DLC? I don't think I beat the DLC. Um, I so the the I know what you're talking about. They did the main game and then they did like an expansion, Dark Arisen or something. Dark Arisen. Yeah. You know, I feel like I did. I want to say I want to say I, I did, did too because I loved it so much. There'd be no reason why I didn't. So. Yeah, I know I beat the game for sure. I I definitely beat the game for sure. And in fact, I think I even beat it twice. But I'm I'm pretty sure I beat the Dark Arisen. Anyway, regardless, I'm down. I'm so excited. I never thought they would make the sequel. People have been asking for it for years. Very excited about that. Okay. Uh, let me circle back to a couple. Okay. I got a couple of quick game bits and then I got one more thing after that. So quick. Um, I want to give a shout out to dungeons of dread rock. I talked about it maybe like two episodes ago. It was the, uh, small puzzle game on switch where you're a girl going down to rescue your brother at the bottom of a hundred floor dungeon. Each dungeon is one screen and there's all sorts of different kinds of puzzles. There's some timing puzzles. There's some observation puzzles there's some dexterity puzzles. There's some combat puzzles. It's got like all all the puzzles, and they're all pretty good. Um, it also comes with a hint system that the player can control themselves, so you can take them or leave them. And, but if you want them, they're great hints because they tell you exactly what to do. So if you get frustrated, you just hit a button, and then you know what to do, and you keep moving forward, which I think is great because I love quality of life. Beat it yesterday. Oh, nice. And it's wonderful. It was wonderful all the way through. I It never hit a bad spot. It maintained freshness. It maintained creativity. It was really neat and engaging all the way through. Just wanted to give a shout out again because uh, I think that people are sleeping on this one. It didn't get a lot of PR. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. But man, it was just real fucking good. And if you're good at puzzles, it's not that long of a play. And I say that in a positive way. I mean, you could finish it, you know, in a day or two days and just be, you know, have a nice, tight, all killer, no filler experience. It was just really, really fun. So I want to give a big shout out to Dungeons of Dreadrock. Really, really good. It feels great on the Switch. I think it's also on iOS and PC. So definitely do not let that one slip past you this year. Check it out. Check it out. Okay. The other game thing, um, I have to do kind of like an apology slash retraction, which I don't like to do those, but I will do them because I'm a man of honor and I keep my word and I want to be one of those people who's on the up and up all the time. So a couple episodes ago, or maybe even last episode, I talked about a musical story. Remember me talking about this oh, one? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a a dialogue-free music rhythm game that tells a story of a band. Like this guy who like gets a band going, they start off with nothing and then they kind of roll on and do bigger and bigger gigs and then like some drug drug issues come into it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um when I brought it to the show originally, uh I I I talked about being really frustrated with it and saying that I couldn't finish it. And at the time, which was true, uh, at the time, I thought I had on all of the assistance available. I thought I was on full help mode because I am 
incredibly musically impaired. I don't have uh, an ounce of rhythm in my body. I cannot keep a beat. I just, I, you know, I just, uh, this is how it is, man. That's my personal disability, right? Like I, I can enjoy music. I listen to music, but like I have no musical talent whatsoever. And rhythm games are really difficult for me if there's not enough um, support. Mm -hmm. And so when I was playing uh, this game, a musical story, it starts off the normal mode is like, there's nothing on the screen except for the notes and you have to listen and just use your own internal rhythm to get past it. I'm like, well, fuck that. Cause I, that, that ain't happening. I failed and failed and failed and failed. So then if you fail a couple times, it gives you some help. And usually with a rhythm game, you see like a little dot and the dot scrolls. And when the dot hits the, the, the trigger zone, you hit the button. So that's how you know when to hit the button, right? Uh, but that, it only comes in sometimes. And so when you're doing well, it goes away, but then I start sucking again. And so then the help came back and then I started doing well and then it went away again. And I got really frustrated because I was like, I need more help than this. I, I get that some people are really musical. That's great. More power to you. I am not that person. So I quit the game because I thought that was the max amount of help. Turns out I was mistaken. Um, I got a message from the developer uh, after the show went up and he was like, oh, you know, I mean, he, they were very polite. They were very nice people about it. They were just like, oh, we're just really surprised because we've never had anybody be unable to finish the game. And I was like, huh, OK, well, let me go back. And it turns out I was wrong. Um, I thought I was on max assistance. I was not on max assistance. I was on medium assistance. So I went back, turned on all the stuff. And when you turn on max help, that little dot that you need for the timing stays on 24 seven, which is great. And so once that dot was there, I was able to get through like the rest of the game, no problem. Like oh. it was, so that's, I, I did need the help, but once the help was there, I could totally play the game and it was fine. I think it's a really chill game. It's a really interesting game. It's a very different game because it's all about playing perfectly. It's not really about remembering songs. It's not really remembering about chords or anything. It's just about playing a song, uh, a chunk of a song perfectly, watching cutscene, playing another song perfectly, moving on. So it's kind of, it's not your usual thing. But it's pretty chill. I really like the art. I think it's cool. And if you do have all the help on, I feel like probably anybody, especially like me, can get through it. I will say, though, one thing I disliked is that once you uh, turn on all the help, you cannot earn any stars, which is like your in-game rating, which I felt like was kind of like a bummer because, hey, man, not everybody's musical. It's just a, I'm here to tell you not everybody can do that. So I felt like I was getting punished a little bit because yeah. I was musically disabled. I didn't care for that very much but I, I will say i do apologize to the developers for uh, being factually incorrect last time that was my bad uh, the game is beatable even if you suck at music games so just turn on all that help i'm sorry for that misunderstanding that was my bad and uh hopefully uh anybody listening will give me a musical story a shot if they decided to not give it a shot based on my uh, comments last episode so again apologies to those developers and please do check out musical story if you want a mellow uh, off the beaten track music game yeah and for me too i mean i i have rhythm i guess i don't know i have been in bands and stuff but at the same time i like an on-screen thing you know i need it, it so hard dude. Yeah, yeah sometimes i just need it by the way that's a good segue real quick is uh metal hellslinger is that right metal hellslinger yes yes I'm um sure. the game i brought to the show early early before it blew up and now it's everywhere people are just talking about it um yeah i that game has that thing in the middle of the screen yeah, like a little tempo keeper. Tempo thing, keeper. Yeah. And if I didn't have that, I would die, you know, and I'm I know rhythm, but I would die immediately. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because that was one of the trailers we watched uh, last week when all the trailers were going down. I'm like, oh, yeah, Metal Hellsinger. That's what Carlos was talking about. And I turn on the video and I'm just like, oh, man, this music. It was just like noise to me. I was like, wow, this is noise. Oh, I was like, I know, like not even my wife was like, what is this? I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, what's going on? So you and guys like, don't know metal then. I mean, and I was listening. I was like, I'm, I saw that the tempo keeper on the screen and I'm like, holy shit. Like, I'm watching this. I cannot detect the tempo in this at all. It sounded like, you know, like back in the old day when you had like a roll of TV, you could turn it to channel like 
channel U. The snow channel. channel. Yeah, the snow channel. Yeah. That's what that game sounds like to me. It's well, like snow. There's two. I, okay, I have two parts of that. One uh, that sounds like an old man thing, which is Dude, hilarious. I'm so old. Which I'm you're, so yeah. old. And I say I'm old too, but I definitely love all that music in that game. So we can split there. But secondly, you're not totally wrong because even though I love metal and I know all like tons of the artists in that and System of Down and stuff like that, I I love it. It's just that metal is just harder to do rhythm games. I think sometimes because there is a lot of electric guitar. There's a lot of like at some point you do you know vocal tracks and stuff, screaming, right? A lot of screaming. Yeah, that and so when you have that, sometimes it makes it hard if you don't know the dun 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 dun. You know, yeah, if you don't I, know I that rhythm, you know, could not hear it, dude, at all. I could, uh, I could more than more than <laughs> more than you. Um, and I also want to bring it up because Skill Up, uh, I love him. He has a YouTube channel. Check out Skill Up. He's awesome. He just did a new podcast with a bunch of people, and they were talking about. This is kind of a tangent, but they were talking about E3 and it kind of coming back next year and the reason why they like it and they miss it. And it's the same reason I like it and miss it too, which is that, you know, they were talking about meeting like, uh, cause a bunch of people are in LA still, right. You know, for E3 week and they're, they're meeting with developers like in a hotel room or something. Sure. Just like, you know, no show, but just meetings, no stuff, show yeah. meetings. Yeah. And they are talking about on that show, like how valuable it is to meet like the developer for metal Hellslinger, who's like a, a guy and a few other people, you know, and they're like, Oh, we're so excited. You're checking out our game and telling personal stories about the development of it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember that vividly, like vivid memories of talking to people, making wizardry and, you know, all these old school games, like, and just meeting the people, like meeting the fucking people behind oh, the yeah. game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think there's something very valuable to that. And I, I just want to echo his thoughts on this podcast because that's the part I miss a lot. Not just like meeting friends and, and seeing, you know, I don't like the lines and, and these huge spectacle of an E3. I like going and talking to developers and for a long time, many years, my job was to do just that. Like yeah. I was a GameSpot guy. I was a media guy. I was, you know, I, E3 and stuff like that. And, um, I mean, EGM and stuff. So talking with those, all those people, it's just really special. And I just, I think I really miss that a lot. I mean, I'm with you, dude, because, you know, I was fortunate enough to be, to be going to E3 before it became, you know, open to the public the way that it was before it became just like everybody on the show floor. I mean, not to be like an insider snobby person or anything, but no, we just got to experience it in a different way. I mean, yeah, it just, it started out as a, as a show for people in an industry. And then you, you got to meet the developers and the publishers and, you did meetings with people and it was like up close and personal. You talked to them right there. And so, you know, it, it was, I mean, there was always people there, but it wasn't like, like I remember going to E3 and like, it wasn't shoulder to shoulder jam packed, like the way that it is at PAX or something, no. the way that it was recently. It was like, you went in there and then you just walked around, you talked to people, they had time to talk to you. And like, there was like, you know, you could breathe and stuff. It was, it was a different show. So I do enjoy, I did enjoy talking to those folks and having those meetings and seeing developers who were like genuinely excited to like show you like, Hey man, I made this. I want you to, to check this out. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's check it out. And you know, just getting that vibe was really cool. And you, yeah. you kind of miss that when the show becomes open to the public and it's just like a jillion people jammed into a, a convention space, which, you know, is also fun. I'm not, you know, I'm not shit talking that or anything. It's just a different kind of vibe. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and before we leave the talk of, of shows and showcases, and then I, then I'm done with housekeeping, is I just want to give a shout out to my buddy Malik, Malik Prince, who I did a show Tips and Tricks with on Xbox. Um, some really fond memories of that show. Uh, yeah, he got to be um, host and co-host of a bunch of shows at the Xbox Showcase. So if you have not checked it out, Xbox Showcase Extended was actually pretty valuable, I think, where like they sit down and talk with... You know, Pete Hines, they talk with all the different people from the games and they do a little bit more, you know, deep dive. 
Gotcha. So gotcha. check that show out and uh, shout out to Malik. Right on. Uh, my last thing. You have anything else or are you done? I'm pr- I'm going to clean it up. That's good. Okay. My last thing. I just want to give a quick shout out to Ms. Marvel currently running on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you watched any of it? I haven't yet. Nope. This is uh, the new Marvel show, TV show, where they have a uh, Muslim hero. or She is living in, I don't know, the East Coast or something. She's a big fan of Captain Marvel, and then something, something, something happens. She gets powers of her own, and so she kind of becomes like, um, like, like a Captain Marvel cosplayer, but she actually does have powers. And it's interesting because she's a fun, fun character. She's really young. She's like, you know, this girl trying to find her way in the world, but she's also got like this Muslim background. And... They, you know, they show that like in a really positive light. They, they don't um, put it to the side. Like her Muslim family is like front and center of the show. The issues in her culture, um, both good and bad, are there present. And I like the last episode, episode two. I swear to God, dude, that's like the most Muslim culture I've ever seen portrayed in a positive light on a TV show. I think like in my entire life. Oh. Where they showed him going to like a mosque and they had like this party and they were just like talking about things and it was just like super. You know, like it was just so cool to get this like glimpse into um, a life and a culture that is not my own. And it was all just like, hey, man, this is cool. Like we're cool people. We're doing cool things. We just happen to be Muslim. And if that's not white mainstream culture, that's OK. And I'm like, yeah, it's OK. I love this. This is great. Yeah. So I was loving. I feel like I learned something. So, I mean, you know, that was pretty good. <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like it was just really cool that we're finally getting a little bit more diversity. Right. So Miss Marvel's fun. She's an awesome character. I love her her trajectory of her show so far. And I love that they're just really incorporating um, the Muslim thing and just really embracing it. You know, I think like we really use that stuff here in America. If we, we, we got some stuff on TV that wasn't, you know, the white heteronormative cis stuff and, you know, the quote unquote real American stuff. We got some other stuff from real Americans that live here. I'm all for that, man. This show seems great. I'm just, I'm loving it so far. I'll check it out. And obviously we need that a ton more, but we're definitely getting it. I think a lot more when it comes to different shows and series and stuff. Um, we're getting representation, but I will always want more of it because oh, yeah. that's just, that is normal. Not to exactly, go on a tangent, exactly. but like having one particular type of person be represented in every movie and action film uh, and everything is not normal. Like that's not exactly. the real world. You just go outside your door, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but I will also say I played a little bit of her story in the Avengers game. Oh, yeah. She was kind of the through line for that game, wasn't she? Well, she was the main through line. That was the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the story part, which everybody said, and I said on this podcast, was good. Like, I learned about her family and some of her traditions, like, in the game. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't yeah. play through that, but I heard that was the best part of the entire game. It really so. was. Like, that's what I was getting. Like, when I would come home and talk to the parents and stuff like that, you know, I got this other kind of feel. And then go out into the field and, like, blow up a bunch of things for currency yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So that game is trash, kind of. But uh, the single player is not trash. It's actually very good. So... Anywho. Right on, Ms. Marvel. I'm digging it. I like it. It's real good stuff. So, all right, cool. That's all I've got for housekeeping. Is that all you got for housekeeping? I'll say one thing real quick about Diablo Immortal because everybody hates it. And I'm oh, the only person snap. who's playing it. Uh, they made $24 million, which is fucking insane. And wait, $24 million in two weeks? That's obviously not the reason. I'm not praising that, right? Their monetary system is like fucked. But it's just, it's almost hilarious to me that so many YouTubers are spending weird numbers of money on the game to prove that it's broken, you know? Yeah, well, because they're still spending the fucking money on it. Like, I see a YouTube video goes, We just spent 25,000. Are we gonna get the gem? We didn't get it. This game's stupid. (laughs) You're stupid. Okay, (laughs) you're stupid. Oh my god, right? Right? This, yeah, this reminds me. I mean, this is not the same thing, but this reminds me of like when people were like, 
all these neckbeards were like protesting Call of Duty and they were so mad about it for I don't even know why they were mad about it. But then like the very next day, when you look at the player list, all the people who were railing against it were like online playing. And it was like, whatever. I man. know that feels like what I'm saying is there's like I think there's at least 10 million players right now. Uh, Twenty four million dollars was made. I'm just saying like this game might be absolute trash and they're doing the, the worst thing in the world for monetization. But there's a fucking ton of people playing it and spending money on it. Uh, and then my only update is that I'm level now, level 46. I think the cap is 60 or something. So I'm real close to endgame. Uh, and I'm going through campaign-like sections with story and full voice dialogue that's, like, fun. And again, I've said this before, if you just want more Diablo 3 until Diablo 4 comes out, that's what this is. And it's for me. Yeah, I know you don't like that style, but for me, I love that um, loop, you know? I'm tired from a long day at work. I go and just kill a bunch of monsters, loot, and then I'm done, right? I level up a few things and go and then turn it off. So for that, it's perfect. And again, I'm not being stopped very much. Like I had to grind a couple levels here and there, and then there's more story. So I don't know. If I finish this campaign in another couple weeks, I will say it's worth the money because I paid no money. Well, there you go. That's all Absolutely I'm Absolutely worth the money then, for sure. Okay, I'm done. All right, folks, the house is clean. We are now moving on to the main portion of the show, and we do have quite a few games to get I know, Carlos, we're going to... Nah, well, <laughs> well, you better like get a cup of coffee or something. Power I know, food, I need we only, we only have done here, brother. Uh, all right, let's start off with you, man. You said you had a uh, demo that you were bringing to the show. I don't know what demo it is. Which uh, which demo are you talking about? And this is one of the the uh, Blood Money demos that you had to pay to get access to. In the oh, PSN Blood thing. Money. No, no, no. It's actually from NextFest. Oh, okay. What is NextFest? So Steam NextFest is where they oh, put up gotcha. a bunch of uh, demos gotcha, on gotcha, Steam. Gotcha. Yes. So I don't know by the time this goes up, because we never know when these go up nowadays. Uh, apologize to all of our listeners. We just don't know. It's a question mark. But uh, it might still be going on. And if it is, you check it out, because it's fucking amazing. And indie game developers get a ton of uh, exposure. So this is really interesting. The game is up right now. Subterranean. Nope. Subterrain. Uh, colon. Minds of Titan. And now there was an original game that they worked on called Subterrain. And what's interesting is that game uh, had some similar things. So it's like a survival-y, um, action-y RPG. Not action-y. Well, the first one was a survival-y action RPG. Top-down view. Like straight top-down. Like GTA old school. Okay. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah. And then it was like twin stick shootery. And you're finding things, you're crafting things, you're doing some survival stuff. And this space, you know, it's space. So you're like on a planet somewhere and you're kind of like got a spacesuit going through different like uh, ruins and stuff and shooting monsters. Like that's what the game was, right? The original. This is so, in my opinion, much better. It's more turn based. Uh, I wouldn't say turn based, it's kind of like action turn based mix. So the art already is immediately better. It's that kind of three quarters view but still pixel art. Mm -hmm. So you're like looking down, but you're not looking straight down at their head. Right. Right. right it's that right. kind of, you know, three quarters yeah, view. Exactly. But pixel art that looks really good. And it's the same type of thing where it's like, um, you're on Titan and you're basically going to try to figure out what happened to an old crew that was like there and they're gone or they have, they stopped, you know, reporting back. So you're there to check it out and you're with a team and you're kind of like going through a bunch of this old space station, right? That's the setup. And then you move by, you can use a controller, but it's not, it's kind of wonky. So I just use a mouse, but it's like old school Ultima, you know, or, or CRPGs where you just click and move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you like right click and open things. And that's a relaxing way to play a game, especially like this kind of game. So I'm just running around, you know, I'm in cryostasis. I wake up, I'm running around the space station. I'm like right clicking things, opening, you know, looting everything. 
It's that kind of a game, like just pick up as much stuff as you can uh, and then try to figure out, you know, the mystery of what's going on. But then there's action and the fact that you say you fight some monsters, you're like clicking at the monsters and it feels like a turn-based, you know, like, you know, they go, then you go, then they, you go, then they go, but you're still clicking. So it's like still, it's not like you go to a screen and like, now it's your turn, you know, it's just like in the moment, right? Right, right, right. So it really feels like an old school Ultima. Uh, and I love that about it. It has a little bit of similar art to Death Trash, too. It feels like Death Trash in some way. I don't know what, but it shares some sensibilities. Uh, and it's a demo, and this is the greatest praise I can do. I don't want to play anymore. Like, it's so simple. that I, What I just told you, the premise, you run around a space station, clicking things, looting things. There's survival. There's crafting. Uh, there's meters. There's some meters, like health meters and stuff that I get a little annoyed with. But... And there's NPCs that kind of do their own thing a little bit. And it just feels really good. Like, I feel like it's something special. And I feel like what more is, people are going to be talking about it when it finally comes out. Tell us the name again. And will you spell it, please? Subterrain. I always want to say it's the other the full, the other thing. But it's Subterrain, Minds of Titan. Is it S-U-B-T-E-R-R-A-I-N? Yeah. Look at the picture so at least you know what I'm talking about when it comes to the art. Um, but yeah, besides that, like there is things like uh, you can actually... Uh, influence what the NPCs do, which again feels like Ultima, um, and tons of looting and the action combat's pretty fun and it, all of it feels very relaxing. Like I'm just like going through the world, discovering stuff, and in crafting and stuff like that. It just feels good. Excellent, excellent. I just looked it up while you were talking. Um, the Steam Next Fest demo event is going on until the 20th. So if you get the show edited and I get the show posted today, people will still be able to go to, go to Steam, get that demo today, even tomorrow. So that if we if we act fast, we act we'll fast. be able to get the message out to the people. Okay. And even if not, just put this on your wish list, okay? Do that for, do that for me. Uh, I think it's going to be something special. I really like it. All right. There we go. Subterrain demo on Steam and coming soon to PC and who knows where else. All right. Cool. Uh, I hate to say it. I wanted to come to this show with a bunch of winners because I don't want to do like an all negative show, but, uh, the dice, the dice rolled funky this oh, week no. and basically every game I picked to do for the show, almost all were, I was were not say, winners. I was going to say that's a spoiler right there for sure. It's a little bit of spoiler. I just want to be able to brace themselves. I don't want people okay. to like get worked up and then get disappointed, right? I'm going to tell you up front that there's not a lot of winners for me this week on the show. Uh, so the first one I'm talking about is, uh, Jumanji. Uh, Jumanji, the curse returns. It's coming to switch. And I believe every platform, uh, you know, Jumanji is a fun thing. Like uh, the movie was actually pretty fun. I just watched it maybe like, uh, six months ago and it still holds up. It's a good time. Uh, if anybody, I mean, I feel like people know what Jumanji is, but if you don't, it's a movie where these kids find a board game and they, it's a magical board game. And once they start playing it, um, they get transported into like a jungle and then every time they do like dice rolls, like weird things happen in the world and they have to avoid like real life dangers. It was just remade um, recently with like The Rock and Kevin Hart and yep. uh, a couple other people. And that was also not a bad movie as well. I watched every movie that Uncle Dwayne comes out in and that was a pretty good one. So that was all right. Uh, so Jumanji is is taking the same basic idea. It's not an adaptation of the original movie or the new movie. It's just its own thing playing off of just the idea of the Jumanji board game. Uh, and uh, this is one of those times when, I, again, kind of continuing the theme from last week, I got snookered by uh, trailers because I feel like the trailer did not quite sell exactly what's going on in the game. Starts out fine enough. Uh, you can play up to four people, I believe. Board game, jungle theme, all that stuff. You roll a dice, you move pieces on a board, and then you go do a real like event. And 
when I watched the game uh, trailer, what it looked like was kind of a deck builder. And it looked like a turn-based sort of a thing. That was my general impression from watching the trailer. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I love turn-based games. I love deck builders. Uh, you know, maybe it's even a roguelike. Who knows, right? So I think the Jumanji theme is fun. Let's, let's check this out. This is not at all what it is. Not even remotely. Oh, no. Oh, man. Okay, so, like, once you get into an event, like, you'll, you'll roll dice, you move squares, and it's like, oh, there's lions here. you got to do the lions. Okay, fine. What ends up happening is you get into combat. There's, like, animals in the middle of the screen. Your party is on the other side, but it's not turn-based. What happens is you do have a deck of cards, um, and they have, like, different attacks or whatever. But, like, what you're doing is the cards come up. You're, you have a, an energy meter that constantly grows. And as soon as you have enough energy to play a card, you click and play the card. And so everybody else is playing a card, too. So really what you're doing is waiting for a meter to grow and then clicking a card. And, like, you kind of, like, throw that card at the animal and just, like, it hits it and it loses a bit of life wait for the energy to come back click another card like that's all you're doing you're just you're basically just like hitting a button over and over and over and over and over to just throw cards at this animal mm. and when you throw enough cards it dies and then that's it like in real life just like in real okay. life it takes several cards to kill a lion <laughs> it does but you can four. do it you can do it like it happens but it takes a while so that's really what it was there's no real strategy to it um you just click a button as fast as you can and as if you have enough energy you throw a card at it and the life bar just ticks down and that's it. And you kill it and you go back to the board and it's just, it's really boring. Mm. It's really boring. It looks like it could have been a really simple family oriented deck builder, even a little bit of strategy in there, but it, that's not at all what it is. It's just roll dice, go around a board. And when you go fight an animal, you hit a button over and over and over and over and over. I got bored of it within like 20 minutes. I was like, this is terrible. I, I I'm so disappointed. This is not what I thought it was going to be at all. And I don't recommend it for anybody. This like I don't even imagine kids liking this. Like even if you were to get a game for like a small child, I don't see that there's any entertainment value here because there's nothing really for them to do. You're just literally clicking a button, which is just it's balls. I just yeah. don't like it at all. So Jumanji, uh, the Curse Returns, that is a hard fail. All right, back to you, uh, Carlos, for Hand of Merlin which is an interesting-looking Arthurian-themed, I don't know what, roguelike deck builder strategy, something-something? You want to tell no, us about it? Yeah, no deck building, but yeah, turn-based roguelike, which is called okay. that. Okay, fair enough. With XCOM-like combat, mm. which would be up your alley. And yeah, the general gist of it is King Arthur Legend, which I don't know, that's a thing, I guess. Uh, I know of King Arthur, I know of Legends, but I don't know, I didn't know that was a genre. But it, that's mixed. <laughs> is that a sh- I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Well, they're saying it is. Arthurian? You just said it in the title. I don't... I mean, it's like... I've never a, heard like that. I think of Arthurian as like a kind of writing. Usually it's for books. I don't know that I would say it's uh, a game, but maybe so. Anyways, it's it's got the King Arthur legend in it, you know, twisted in a kind of a different way. Sure. And then it has cosmic horror, because those go together. I mean, why not? Yeah. Which, by the way, they don't... It doesn't not go together. Um, there's a quick story at the beginning. Well, I won't bore you with it. It's nothing, you know, huge. But the, I think the, the interesting thing about it is, because it's roguelike, uh, I always worry about like why things are roguelike. I like um, story meaning behind things. Like, why am I repeating myself, you know? Right, right, right. So this one just says it's like a multiverse type situation. So when you do it again, there's an alternate dimension, right? So that's... The, oh, so like if you fail, then you just got to try again in the next dimension. Yeah, and it's kind of a little different. Sure. Um, but what the gameplay is, is not what I thought at all. Kind of similar to you said, what you said about trailers being misleading. Um, 
I kind of had an idea that was more like Spell Force or something, which you played mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. Or like, um, I don't know, RTS 5s or something, or like, even was turn-based, I thought it was like, uh, just a, just like more of an RPG, like Divinity Original Sin or something. But no, 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 this is very much a choose-your-own-adventure. Um, and it, I don't think it's very explained. Maybe there's a couple pictures I didn't see, but you, you start off the game with a book. Like, it, it's all about, like, you, there's a huge map, and then the game starts with the book opening up and you're reading like this is what happens like here you go you're on your mission and then you're making choices similar to so many games we talked about like lone wolf and all those other ones oh yeah oh yeah where you're like making decision having to do like uh you know will you survive or not like you know kind of some big choices and then like not only choices that will make your path and like what you're going to do in the game but like do you want to battle or not and if you want to battle you know or like you know, get out of battle, you don't have to battle, but if you do, then this game goes to the turn-based screen, right? And then it looks like XCOM. Yeah. And that's yeah. your combat part. And so then the combat part was fun. I mean, it's nothing to write home about, but it was fun. It worked. Um, I fought some <laughs> monsters. <laughs> I love that. It worked. It worked. The combat worked. Ba- back of the box quote, it worked. Um, <laughs> you know, because it really wasn't anything to write home about. It was it was serviceable. Like, it did the job. So I'm not saying anything negative or, you know, positive about it, really. But I did like the monsters. There was a lot of really interesting, weird, you know, cosmic horror monsters. Really gross ones, too, actually. Um, and I felt really at home with the controls right away. Like, I didn't need a lot of tutorialization. It just felt, like, intuitive. And my favorite part of this game is the fact that it mixes that with the Choose Your Own Adventure. Because the Choose Your Own Adventure is really fun. And, again, you're going along this map. And as you go along the map, a book will open and you do, you know, events or something, things yeah. you've, you've met people. Yeah. So remember, what's the game that we just talked about that you love so much? Uh, the vampire game um, or the, all the monsters, all the monsters. And there's like little, uh, and then you can play the devil member and be sneaky. Oh, you were talking. Oh, yeah. You're talking about uh, Rogue Lords. Rogue, Rogue Lords. Lords. Yeah. Yes, it has, yes, it yes. has Rogue Lords vibes because, again, it's that thing like I'm going along and then I'm making decisions and I'm getting story bits that are different, right? Like, that was one of my favorite part of Rogue Lords was those little stories. They were pretty good. They were pretty good. So, yeah, people say Slay the Spire. People say Banners of Ruin for, like, inspirations and feel. It feels like all those things. So it's not a knock out of the park. It's more like a six or seven in my mind when it comes to numbers. Yeah. So, but it, I think the surprising thing that's even above seven is the, the book part. The book part's really fun, like a lot of fun. Right on. I dipped into this for like a minute because I knew that you were going to oh, bring right. it to you the show. Oh, right. You played some of it. Yeah, yeah. Just, for, I mean, real briefly. And I got to say, I, I, I bounced pretty hard off of it. Um, what was I the part that, that you bounced the most off of? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that got me was like the presentation and the UI. This feels like a very like PC oriented game, which mm-hmm. is fine because that's where it's from. Um, but you know, they brought it to Xbox and probably not Xbox. And I think it works fine. I mean, the controller like was all fine. Like it all, it all adapted well, but I think I've, I'm, I'm noticing this recently uh, with this and with a couple of the games I played recently where, where they start on PC, they come to Xbox and like, they don't really adapt anything about the UI or the presentation for a console audience. And so when I was looking at this Hannah Merlin, I was like, God damn it. There is so much trash on the screen. There's all these icons all over the place. There's all these Mm. little boxes and windows, way too much information. It's really hard for me to discern what I'm supposed to be, what's important, what's not important. And I went to the character menu, like tons of, I just like, I'm like, this is like, this is a very PC presentation to me where, I mean, I, I don't mean to be insulting and I'm not trying to like demean anybody, but like, I feel like there are very different standards 
as to what is acceptable on PC and what is acceptable on console. And I feel like those are two very different things. Well, let me just put an asterisk next to that for sure, our listening sure. audience. I don't think it's standards. I think that may be the wrong word. I think it's just feel because you're right. I 100% agree with you. Console is a totally different feel and vibe or something. Let's call it that. But like standard would mean like one is correct and one isn't. Like no, I don't. I don't mean anything is correct. I mean like like what people are accustomed to on PC, like what they think is fine on PC. Yeah, accustomed to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. is is very different from console. And I'm I'm seeing more and more games come to console where they have not taken that into account. And so I just I reject that. Um, not about this big game specifically, but like with the concept of I'm going to take this menu heavy, click heavy, mm-hmm. icon heavy info overloaded pc game which is probably fine for people who play on pc all the time because i've seen a million games that look just like this and that's fine it's it's a norm yeah for pc and that's totally okay but like when you bring it to console it's like overload and overkill and like the sensibilities are different and so i bounced off it like really quickly because i'm like man this thing needs to be cleaned up this is so busy and, and, and weird and i just like i can't right now um so i did i bounced off of that pretty hard the combat like you said was fine it worked it was okay it did work um, but like i just was like okay i'm not I don't want to work this hard to learn your game. And like the tutorials, I think honestly weren't great, but I, I, this to me just kind of speaks to that, this trend of like doing less to adapt and just porting more. And I really need people to stop doing that. I need them to actually port like, you know, like, like adapt it to adapt it to the console so that it works in all ways, not just technically works, but like works for the console sensibility. Yeah. That's that's my preference. What was member civilization did that a really good job. Um, Yeah, that one did. Yes. It was a, it was like a different name of a game, right? It was like civilization something and it was for the console and it worked really well. So I know what you mean. And by the way, yeah, yeah, I'm just, just saying that like so many people play PC games. There was like 8,000 things on the screen and that's just normal. Oh yeah. That's totally normal for PC. It wasn't fun for me either. Like I didn't want all that stuff on the screen either while I was playing on my Xbox. I also played on Xbox. So yeah, on the Xbox, I didn't want that experience, but even with all that, I still do like sure. the, the storybook and the switching to them from that to combat. I like that concept. So that is cool. I agree with you there for sure. So, all right, that was Hand of Merlin, available on Xbox and PC, and I'm sure probably other places as well. Let me uh, talk for a minute about Clan O'Connell and the Crown of the Stag. This is a 2D uh, platforming game where you have three different heroes. Interesting that this came up this week because last week we talked about soldiers where I thought the premise of the game was you were going to have three heroes to switch between, and that was 100% not what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is literally what you are doing in Clan O'Connell. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, the thing I was just wanting last week is now here for me this week. Um, you play as, like, three kind of, like, Viking, fantasy Viking-themed people. There's, like, a regular soldier guy. There's, like, the nimble lady who does archery. And then there's, like, a real big fat guy who just, like, is heavy and hits stuff real heavily. Um, you switch between those on the fly. Cool. Love that idea. Um, and, you know, sorry, whatever, bad stuff happening, blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. Bad stuff. I mean, like, seriously, dude, it doesn't matter. But so you you go through these platforming levels, and I'm going to say right up front, I love the idea. Uh, I love the art design. But this game is so misguided. It is so misguided. I, I bounced off this almost immediately. I'll tell you why. Is because it's fucking small Uh everything in this game is microscopically small it is so tiny Mm. the text is tiny the characters are so fucking small dude i could barely tell what was going on i could not make out any detail in the environments um it like playing on the handheld it was like oh my god like i'm getting eye strain just from looking at the screen like it was like watching ants fight on on like a, a yard or something like it was just like so small like i 
this is another example of like where like dude you got to take into account what platform you're on and what this looks like yeah because to me this was unplayable like i i'm not going to play something that small where my eyes were hurting just trying to figure out what's going on, on screen so i'm like okay this is not working in handheld for me this is way too small everything on screen needs to be magnified by like a scale of 10 i'm going to put it into docked mode and i'm going to put it on my big ass tv and i'll play it that way that sucks because it performs like shit when it's docked it's terrible um, there was like a noticeable lag between moving your character and jumping. So all of your um, actions was delayed because of whatever's happening between the docked mode and my TV. It still didn't look that great. Like it was still really, really small Jeez. when I blew it up to my TV. And like, it sucks because there was like little details and stuff. Like for example, uh, the archer lady can squeeze through small passages, but the passages are so small that I couldn't see them because everything's too small on TV. I'm just like, where am I supposed to go? I don't know. I can't see any of this. It's tiny. And I realize I'm an old man, old man eyes, et cetera, et cetera. But I can still see shit. Okay. Like I can still see things. I'm not blind. And this was just way too small. I'm sure this is a really fun game. It seems cool. I like the three person switching idea. I like the fantasy Viking theme. It's colorful. Um, I think the character design is really cute when you look at pictures of it and, you know, see PR shots of it. But this does not work at mm. all on the Switch. Like, it is just way too small. It is, it is intolerably small. We've seen that for games that are too small for the original version. And then you port it to Switch, and yeah, it's teeny, teeny. So Yeah, it's just a shame. I feel like this is probably, like, a really fun game. Um, the previous game, which I cannot recall the name of, was reviewed by um, Eugene Sachs at Game Critics. He really liked it a lot. Like, it was very favorable. Um, so I'm sure that these developers, like, know what they're doing. It seems like a great game, but, like... You've got to take into account the platform and you've got to make sure that those changes are made because it is unplayable to me. Like, mm. I, and it's a shame. It's a real shame. All right. Yeah. I was saying like you play it on steam, you could like enlarge your screen or something. Yeah. If you had options or something. Yeah. yeah but like you don't get that option on switch. So, all right, folks, I hope that you fix that because it seems like kind of a cool game. I would like to play it, but I cannot play it as is apologies for that. Uh, Carlos over to you cursed to golf i'm psyched for this one and you played the demo i'm very excited to hear your take on it yeah it's the demos up right now on steam um again full disclosure we have a friend who works uh with the company kinsey burke hello kinsey if you're listening Kinsey. um also uh by the way uh oh, that's Chuhai labs by the way Chuhai labs uh putting this out but um this is a fun fact that i think only i have known I love fun facts. Uh, it's not really a fun fact. Okay, it's a error on my part. I love it. I love. Wait, wait, wait. I love that you you instantly pivoted. I this did. This is a fun fact. Oh, wait a minute. It's not it's a fun not fact. A fun it's fact. just an error. I made a mistake. Okay. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I made an error for calling it. I made an error for calling it a fun fact. Oh my god, fastest 180 we've ever done on this show. Well, that I've ever done. Yeah. Um. Well, here's what it kind of is. A, it's a fact, and it's kind of funny. How about that? It's a okay. funny fact. It's, it's words that you're going to say. The whole time on this podcast, we've mentioned this game probably, I don't know, 15 times or something. At least. At least. And every time I've mentioned it, until just now, I've called it Cursed Golf. That is not the name of the game. It is Cursed to Golf, Yes. Right? And every time I heard Kinsey or anybody else talk about it, I thought they were saying the word cursed like in a funny way. Like, you know, Cursed to Golf. And I thought they were saying the word cursed, like funny, like there's some sort of like way you're supposed to say it. The developers like they were want you rolling to. their D, like it's yeah, cursed. rolling They're your cursed. D. Oh, that's a good podcast name. Rolling your D. Come on, rolling your D. That's write a good that one. down. That's a much better one. Yeah, I like that one. So I thought Kenzie and everybody was saying, you know, that game, the new game, Cursed to Golf. And I was like, why are they saying cursed that way? 
And I love that you thought they were doing a bit this whole time. <laughs> not even a bit. I just thought that the devs wanted you to call it like the word cursed. You know, isn't there certain words that you say that looks like one way, but then you say it a different way? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure. so I thought it was like that. Anyway, so I looked it up on the demo. And it was like cursed to golf. And I was like, oh, if you say that fast, that's what I thought I was hearing. That is fucking Crazy. amazing. Isn't that, that is a funny amazing. fact? That is amazing. That is a funny fact. Yes, it is. Okay. It is not cursed to golf. And it's not cursed golf. It's cursed to golf. It's cursed to golf. And it's definitely indicative of like what the game is. You play as a little character, which, by the way, the beginning is so fucking cool. And this is a minor spoiler of the beginning. But you play as this little, you know, character, chibi pixel art guy. And he is doing a golf tournament, and which is the tutorial, teaching you the game. But he's doing it outside, and it's raining, and then it's, then it's thundering, and then it's getting a storm outside while he's trying to, like, win the tournament. And then lightning, of course, comes out of the sky and kills you. Uh, which is hilarious. It shouldn't be, but it is. And then you, you know, become a ghost and go elsewhere. And in this elsewhere place, you meet a spirit. They explain to you that you need to get out of this, like, hellish area that you're trapped in. Uh, call it a limbo, golf limbo or whatever. And you have to, like, you know, beat these courses to uh, to continue. And it's a roguelike. So, you know, it's this kind of, like, procedural, uh, not procedural, but... The maps are made up, and then you, you know, if you don't win, you go back and upgrade yourself like a roguelike. Right, 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 right. But um, yeah, the, the basic gameplay is it, it's similar in the golf mechanics you've played before, where you're picking like, uh, well, sand wedge, you know, iron, etc. But then when you hit the power button, like in old school golf games, you you push the button once, it, you know, do the little power thing back and forth, hit it on the power you want, but then you don't aim. It's like moving. It's like auto aiming. Uh-huh. And you're stopping the, you know, you hit the the button to stop the aim when you have the angle you want. Does that make sense? Yes, I gotcha. Which yes. is different than some games let you just like immediately, you know, aim it. So that's actually a bit more of a challenge because then sometimes you might mess up, you know. Anyways, and you're go- going along the courses, but the courses are obviously different and weird. Um, you have a certain amount of strokes you have to get the ball in the uh, hole, obviously, but you can run out, and because you're kind of in trouble. Um, like halfway through the course, you find these little idols and you can smash the idols to get back some of your strokes, right? So say you're down at, down to one stroke left and you're pretty far away, you hit a little idol, it gives you like three strokes back. So instead of going for the hole, you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot the ball at this statue. Or yes. And, that, and if you make that shot, then it lets you keep going. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And gotcha. then, um, and lots of times you can do that while you're still, you know, aiming at something. So it's not like you're doing just switching around. And then there's things like power-ups. So that basically you get cards, uh, so there's a little bit of a card game element into it. When you get the cards, the cards are different power-ups, and you can use them throughout the whole match, you know, throughout the whole hole. So one of the cards is like um, pause the ball in midair. So you use that card, and then when the ball is flying, if you want to, like, land on a specific spot, you can use that. Oh, so it makes it, like, drop straight drop down? Drop straight down. Gotcha, um, gotcha. One's like a blow-up, like an explosion. So, like, if you see dynamite on the course, because that's a thing that happens, you can blow up the dynamite, and that'll open up another path. Right? There's like different paths to the end of the hole. Oh, that's nice. Okay. And it's like a multi-tiered hole. So it's not just like left to right. It's like left to right, then down, then right to left, then down. Right. And I didn't play all the, you know, I didn't play the full demo either. There's, I'm sure there's much more like involved courses, but it's idea is a kind of a platformer level with all these different card abilities and golf. This sounds fun as hell, dude. Like I, I've, I've liked the look of this from the very first trailer we saw. I liked hearing about it when Kinsey was on the show a couple episodes back. I mean, I every time I look at this, I'm like, this looks fun. 
as hell. This looks totally my jam, dude. I am very excited for this. Yeah, there's nothing not to like. It does everything you think it would. Talk about the trailer, you know, everything you see or have heard about it, it that's what it is. Uh, the only thing I was surprised by was the mechanic of aiming. I would love to be able to aim just because I played golf games for my whole life. You know, it's, that's just what I'm used to. Right, right, right. But I know they're doing that to kind of add the different element of difficulty because it is like a trickier thing. Like you've got to stop the aim right when you need to. Sure. Um, but there's also like, you know, there's a little shop and there's this little ghost spirit and you can go buy like cards from him, which makes it fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think all the art's great. I think it's super fun. It's, a, it's exactly what I thought it would be. Um, and I just want it. I want it is the full game. <laughs> right on. I'm right with you. I want it also. Very excited. You don't uh, by any chance have the date for release. It's coming up soon-ish, isn't it? No, they don't even have that. Um, mm. They don't have that. Coming soon is the only thing I see. Uh, they are. You can wishlist it, though. That helps them. So do that. And at Cursed2Golf on Twitter. Uh, so check them out. It's not <laughs> Cursed to, to Golf. That's so funny. Like It was like so spooky. So they're like, I'm Cursed to, 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 to Golf. <laughs> I, they're going to hear this now. I know Kinsey's going to hear it. And I'm gonna be like, <laughs> yeah. they're going to think it's a funny fact. They're going to think it's a funny fact. I hope that they do like a little nod in the game to that or something. Like, oh, yeah. A couple extra Ds to it. In honor finally release it. They're like one character, one PC is like, hey, is this, uh, are you guys experiencing curse, curse to take off? <laughs> they're like, <laughs> that, would, that guy's got problems. That would be amazing. I hope that they do that. If you're listening, Chu High Labs and Kinsey Burke, please make that happen. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Let me talk for a minute here about pinku cult hex mortis what now i know right p-i-n-k-u-k-u-l-t hex mortis you can figure out the rest of it it is a 2d rpg um which has a very distinct visual style it honestly reminded me a little bit of some of the work from uh rose city games in portland i don't know that there's any connection there but if you're familiar with Rose City Games, they're kind of a smaller indie publisher. I dig their stuff. And one of the artists that they did for the game called The World Next Door, which I thought was great. Um, this reminded me a lot of The World Next Door. And in fact, when I first saw a, a video of it, I'm like, oh, is this the sequel? Because this looks just like that. And I really like that a lot. I, I hope this is the sequel. No, it's not the sequel whatsoever. As far as I know, there's no connection at all. It just kind of looks the same, which was kind of a bummer when I figured out uh, that it was not connected. So anyway, uh Besides the fact that it looks really cute, um, it's basically like a, a a real standard, straightforward RPG. Um, you start off in this weird city where bad things are happening. This mysterious employer contacts you. They want to hire you to be their freelancer to solve some crimes. Uh, they make you wear a mask for reasons that are not disclosed. And so you put on this weird animal mask and then you go investigate crimes. Um, you talk to some folks. Uh, you go to a dungeon. And in the dungeon, you kind of just like explore, you find things, you, there's locked doors, you find keys, you talk to people. And then when you get into battle, it's like traditional like JRPG style battle, heroes on one side, enemies on the other, uh, turn-based. Um, the only real twist, I think, is that you have a magic meter, and the magic meter just kind of recharges over time. Um, for me, it recharged really slowly, um, hopefully they can fix that, but... Uh, other than that, it's pretty straightforward. Um, when you get into battle, there's like spiders and zombies or whatever, and you just like attack them with your magic spells. Something that kind of threw me with this, um, was like, they don't really explain much about why your characters are doing magic. They kind of portray it as kind of like a realistic style world. But then as soon as you get into, um, investigating the occult, all of a sudden your main character can do magic. And this other person that joins your party can do magic as well. 
And that person seems just like a regular ass person. Like there's nothing, they're not a wizard. This is not like a fantasy world. So that kind of threw me a little bit that they didn't talk about why am I able to do spells? What is going on? They just, you just jump into it and do it, mm. um, which, okay, whatever is fine. Um, the first chapter is all about like uh, investigating this magic lake where like you look into it and you think you see the one you're destined to be with, but it actually turns out not to be the case. Surprise, surprise. Um, I mean, it's fine. It seems like very straightforward. Um, the art is cute, but beyond the art, it just is really, really, but kind of by the numbers uh, for like an indie RPG. Um, you pick up a bunch of items. Uh, you know, there's, you know, you find keys, you find clues to open locked doors. I mean, it's just real, real straightforward and basic. I mean, there's nothing really key about it. And one thing that I actually didn't care for was you earn experience as you go through and if you die you keep that experience uh which sounds like a fine thing but actually how it boils down to is that you are going to get to enemies and bosses that you absolutely cannot beat because you are not strong enough so they are assuming you're going to die and then you're going to go back keeping the experiences you had and you just keep grinding until you can eventually get strong enough to survive that battle i got to the first boss or mini boss anyway and i got like just just flattened like like i had no chance right and so by the time I went back to the start, came back, killed all the enemies that were there along the way again, I had leveled up like three or four times. And at that point, I was strong enough to do it, which I don't care for. I don't like the idea that like you just have to just grind and grind and grind to survive. Like I think to me and maybe, you know, maybe you've got some feedback on this for me, not playing as many RPGs as I used to. But I remember back in the day, the best RPG for me was if you engaged in every battle from point A to point B. By the time you got to the boss, you should be theoretically strong enough to beat that boss because you had fought everybody along the way. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but for me, those were the best RPGs. Uh, this is not that. Like, you definitely have to grind some, which kind of turned me off of it. So, well, I will say this real quick to that point: is that I don't like the fact that if you, you're saying you're dying and then going back, that sounds like a roguelike to me. I mean, um, nothing changes, but yeah, you do have to go back and just keep going. Yeah, know? because like RPG, you die. Well, you try. You should not die because you're like work on. Uh, you. Know, inventory and like health potions stuff like that but right um yeah i don't like the, the fact that you're underpowered uh because like you said it should be you're at least in the ballpark of beating it because you've done the main things um but also i do like the option to be able to grind because it's like then that gives you the option to be like hey i'm even more badass for this fight because i prepared right. you know right. but no you're, it should be pretty close and so if you're saying it wasn't even close the first time that's not good yeah, I was like not even close. I'm like, okay. So then I died, I think, two more times. And by the time I got back the third time, I had grinded enough just by trying again that I had leveled up enough. And mm. I mean, it's not a huge deal. I mean, it didn't take forever, but it just has one of those like, hmm, kind of yeah. making me frown a little bit sort of things. But it's just real straightforward. I mean, nothing. I mean, it looks cute, but, you know, it's just like, you know, by the numbers, kind of an RPG. So I guess if you want um an rpg that's just you know real real basic and straightforward it gets the job done it does what it does well but uh it didn't really like capture my imagination and it didn't really make me feel like i wanted to keep playing it was just kind of like a okay cool like i i've played like a thousand of these and it seems like it's well done but it didn't really didn't really light my fire so well i'll say this about it the colors are really cool it's got a yeah. really kind of interesting color palette and also it seems like it just it should be focused on the narrative based part of it um, and then the RPG part of it might just be kind of secondary because lots of our narrative, they're calling narrative based RPGs nowadays yeah, are like yeah. this, right? So maybe the story gets interesting later on or something. That's I mean, that's, that's a very fair point. That's a really good point, actually. I'm glad you said that because I mean, it definitely does seem like they took some time to, you know, write. I mean, it, it didn't start off perfectly for me. I had a lot of questions and I would have liked a little bit more. 
lead in. But yeah, I mean, maybe it definitely turns more story heavy. That seems to be, you know, probably what it's going to do. So yeah, uh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You're probably correct on that front. So, all right, that is Pinku Cult Hex Mortis. Uh, check that one out. Back to you, Carlos. We're going to be talking about um, something, 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 Cold Steel, something, something. Yeah. Is this the last show of the game or you have one more? I got one more after this. Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. Let's go. There we go. Round I was close. two. I was very close. So I started this game probably twice and have stopped it twice. Right now or back in the day? No, what back in the day. When it, okay. when it first came out, I think. I mean, not just so you know, there's like 12 games in the series. Um, the Legends, the Heroes, uh, there's Trails in the Sky before this. Tons of games for many systems. The ones that uh, I wanted to focus on, which is uh, Trails of Cold Steel, there's four of those games now. Wow. And essentially, the first one uh, was, I think, put on PS4, you know, I don't know how many years ago. But I, when it first came out, I was like, let me try it. And then I put it away or something. And the reason I brought it back now is because I was going through all these old school RPGs. And then I want something relaxing. And this is turn-based, which is, you know, in my opinion, very relaxing, even though I love action RPGs. And I remember that the turn-based stuff was actually really good. But it's also a mixture of kind of a Persona game. Where in the fact that you're playing with, you know, you're um, a student, there's a ton of other friends, you're, you know, going to befriend them, create bonds with them, that kind of stuff. And then you're going to fight in dungeons, right? So that both those things happen. But for some reason, I really like the story in this one. Um, and so I was like, I should go back to it. Went back to it. Very happy I did. I am, I think, 10 hours in now. And I think I'm going to beat it now. And now, if you know, if I beat one, there's three games waiting for me. You so whole, you got your next month planned out. Months, months, and months probably. So yeah, very excited to go back in. Yeah, what this game is is essentially, uh, and there's also really interesting things similar to um, the Trail series or Tail series, is where they talk about social class systems, right? And uh, rich and poor and. Uh, different types of ethnicities and stuff like that. That sure. stuff comes up in this game. Um, and essentially you are part of a class of students who are, you know, at this like kind of war academy. It's a college, but it's also teaching how to do war. And the world, by the way, is kind of like steampunky, but also magic and also monsters. And in this class, I won't go into the whole details, but this is important. In this class that you're in, you're in a class that's mixed. So normally in the school, it's just nobles and rich people and commoners, right? That's how they split them out. And then you go to classes separately. Everything's separate. And the ass the rich people are assholes, like straight up, you know. They're <laughs> I like, mean just like real life. Like a lot of like some people, yes, that have money uh, that are assholes. <laughs> I won't say all rich people are assholes. <laughs> There's really one that's okay. So, and in this game, your your little group is made up of both, right? So, there's they make a point that one of them's an immigrant. They're like, "You're not even from this area." <laughs> It's a little awkward, but I get what they're trying to do. And so he's an immigrant. And then uh, I'm someone who has like someone in nobility, but I'm come from commoners, the main character. Mm -hmm. And then there's commoners and there's rich people. And the rich guys are the ones that are fighting a lot. Um, and there's all this infighting. And just really, it's a really interesting group that they put you together in. And the idea is that, you know, they want to see if they can make this bond that shouldn't work like work right and maybe you guys will be the greatest fighters of all time spoiler you probably will be come the greatest <laughs> fighters of all time spoiler, spoiler probably so if they made three they made four of these games you know of the the series so it's just really i actually find a lot of interesting um dynamics in that discussion about you know um background and stuff like that 
So then, of course, again, the turn-based stuff is just fun. It's just really relaxing. It works. Um, everything is just, like, streamlined. Like, you know, anything you would nitpick in another RPG, they do correct. You know, like, it just makes sense. Upgrading stuff is fun and different. By the way, you have a little cell phone, but it's 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 not called that. It's like an art orb something. And you kind of, like, put gems inside it so it makes you stronger, but you can also, like, call, use it as a phone. Um, so there's a little technology <laughs> weirdness going on there. I bet you can need like collect SIM cards for your phone. It's phone. yeah. Well, you collect gems and then they make you stronger and, and you can do like magic abilities, but also you can make phone calls with it. Also better Wi-Fi. Better yes. Wi-Fi. So yeah, it's just that. It's like, you know, going around town, doing missions, talking to people, creating bonds with people, uh, relationship stuff a little bit, you know, and then you go fight monsters and it feels really good. Like, I think that's not in your wheelhouse at all. I'm guessing. No, not even remotely, yeah. but I know that you dig these. So. But yeah, I think anybody who likes that, if you want like an old school turn-based RPG with Persona, which I guess is kind of just Persona, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a different feel than Persona. So right, right, right. I really like it. It's like steampunk with magic and monsters, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play the whole series. Well, you know, this series has a ton of fans. This is one of the ones that gets held up all the time as like one of the best ones to play if you are in the market for that. So it's not surprising that you would, would come back to it and find the fun in it. So that doesn't shock me at all. Yeah, I put it down the first time because there was too much Persona dialogue, you know, or you're just yeah. so much. But I, once you finally get into it, for me, once I finally got into like what they're trying to say and some of the messaging behind it, it was kind of cool. It reminded me of Tales again with that. And then lastly, I'll say... Um, there is a lot of you know controversy and debate about which ones you're supposed to play in which order because the timeline. I'm not going to worry about that, and I'm just going to play one through four. But I know that after two, you're supposed to play like old ones or something. But Oh, Jesus. I like, who's got time for that? I don't Come have on. time for that. Four yeah. games already? I don't even have time for that. Give me a break. Give me a break. Okay. I'm just All here right. to say I went back, and I'm glad I did. It's on your PlayStation Trails of Cold Steel. I mean, it's on Steam, too, and I don't know if Xbox has it. Does Tell it? me the whole title again. Something, something, Legend something of Cold Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. Let's see if that's an Xbox. This would be, a, you know, Xbox is the best place to play games. So you it is the best place to play games. They would so have, you know, one of the be. biggest RPGs, you know, worldwide on their Xbox game system. You would think so. You would think searching, they'd searching, have searching, searching, the biggest time. game we're filling time on talking about the Xbox, Xbox game, Pass. game system. So amazing that we if can... it's so good. <laughs> You would have every RPG. Oh my that's... god! Let me let me take let's talk about my next game, and you can we'll circle back. Okay, I'll I'll search for you. Do the other game. All right, just real quick, um, just a quick shout out to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, which is released on Game Pass, which is obviously the best place to play games. Uh, came out day one Game Pass, which was a surprise. I know a lot of people were definitely looking forward to this. It is a new game that is retro themed and kind of an homage slash throwback to the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade game. I'm sure you must have played that at some point, Carlos. Of course, in the arcade, because we're old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was like one of those cabinets where there was four uh, four joysticks, so four people could play at the same time. Side to side, 2D beat em up. Um, you know, at the time, had like the voices from the cartoon, had like theme song. Like it was very, you know, at the time, cutting edge and as faithful as you can get. A lot of people have very fond memories of that game, including myself. I had a great time with that. Played it a thousand times. Um, so this is kind of playing off of that. This I don't know if they're saying it's a sequel or just a spiritual sequel or an homage, whatever, whatever the case may be, um, they take that same approach. It's kind of arcadey, 2D beat 'em up. You've got the four turtles, you've got Splinter, you've got April O'Neil, 
and then you go through a series of levels, um, you know, with like all of the, f- the familiar faces, all the people from the cartoon, Shredder, Bebop, Rocksteady, Krang, the Technodrome, the whole, like a whole thing. If you like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, this is like, you know, fan service to the extreme and they are definitely doing justice to the combat system. I dipped in a little bit. I only played the first two levels just to kind of really just see what it was about. And I dig it. Like, it's really fun. Um, the characters uh, feel different enough to where I'm already getting kind of favorites to, between uh, the characters. And I, I stopped right there because you can play local, I believe, and you can also play online. So I was going to party up with my wife and my son, and the three of us were going to go through the whole game later this afternoon. Nice. Um, and do that. So that's what our plan is for the day. But just a heads up, I mean, a lot of people were anticipating it. Everybody I've talked to has really loved it. And it's 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 faithful also in the sense that you can beat it like in an afternoon, just like an arcade game. And I think that's fine. Like, this is not a game that you really want to put 50 hours into because, you know, side to side 2D beat them up. It's fun, but, you know, you don't, you're not going to get 100 hours out of that. I mean, it's just like, it you is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you enjoy it, you move on, you had a good time, that's it. So I'm looking forward to blowing through it. There are some collectibles. There are some things that you can go back to pick up if you want to squeeze some extra juice out of it. But I think it's probably going to be just fine playing it through once and just, you know, hearing the voices seeing the little nods, the callbacks, like the little mouse or robots, and you can grab a foot soldier clan and throw them into the screen. Like that was famously done in the arcade game, like all the, all the nods, all the references. And even if you don't know the old school references, it's still just like a really well put together and well animated, well voiced, well controlling, excellent example of a 2d beat em up. I think it's really, really well done. And if you like turtles and you know, turtles, it's just even better for that. So seems like a winner and it is absolutely on game pass day one, best place to play games. So, yeah, we'll get back to that best get, best place to play games uh, in a minute. Asterix next to that. <laughs> um, by the way, so that reminds me of Marvel. So Marvel had their... Uh, oh, yeah, the X-Men. The X-Men game in the arcades. Also, same cabinet. So if you younger listeners uh, don't know, there was these arcade cabinets with four joysticks on them. So well, four people could play. Uh, and this huge screen. It was like, I think the screen oh, was yeah, bigger. Real big. Uh, and then they had Simpsons was the same one. Like the yep, same Simpsons, exact game. X-Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So. So, um, and by the way, did they ever re-release The Simpsons, that game, that arcade game? Oh, you know, I feel like they did, but honestly, I can't be sure. I yeah. feel like in my imagination they did. But Well, knows? you would think they would do the X-Men one now after The Simps- after the Turtles well, one. You would think so, but like the rights? The rights is a whole different story. Yeah. Man, so who knows, right? Well, check it out if you like that kind of game. I'm not going to play it. I played those games so many times, and I get it. It's fun, like you said, for an afternoon or whatever. But yeah, it's one afternoon. On my list. No, no, no. Back to my asterisk of Xbox best place to play games. I'm looking up here on the internet, which is uh, also known as the World Wide Web. The... <laughs> The Trails series, yes, all of the games. I just looked up. By the way, there's so many more. Uh, there's there's like a million. Reverie yeah, there's and stuff like that. Uh, they are released on Nintendo Switch, uh, PlayStation, uh, Steam, and Good Old Games. And oh, that's it. Interesting. Even okay. GoodOldGames.com has all of the Trails games, but uh, that is not an on the Xbox system. Interesting. I wonder why. But okay, bummer, bummer. That's a bummer. But so there you go. It can't. It can't officially be the best place to play games because you know best place to play rpgs no i can't say yes it is they just got persona so <laughs> it can't be the best place to play rpgs well i guess okay. you might be right on that count i guess you might be right there right. so that is a very important distinction to make heads up to all you rpg fans out there. yes so act accordingly um i think that's a show is that a show yeah that that's is it. a show all right folks 
thank you for listening. Glad you were here. Thanks for spending time with us. Uh, and I don't know when you're listening, but thanks for spending my Sunday with me and Carlos. Uh, as always, we want to get your questions and comments. Hit us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. You can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Uh, Carlos Rodella on TikTok, R-O-D-E-L-A. There you go. As for me, same as usual, on Twitter, on Instagram, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's and O's. And that is going to do it for episode 289. Thank you again and again and again for joining us here on the So Many Games Podcast, and we will see you next week. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And Bye from Carlos. I just realized, in the meantime? Yes. Like, so, until we see you again. Yes, exactly. Hmm. All right, until we see you again. Bye. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>